Hey, hi, Harris. How are you doing? I'm not bad. How are you? I'm good, 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 good. Really good to see you. Yeah, it's, it's been a while. We finally got to do this. It's great. Oh, yeah, indeed, indeed. How have you been, though? Yeah, I've been good. I've been good. It's a day off today. So, um, just been trying to catch up with a few things, try to set up a few other podcasts. But, um, yeah, it's great. Always keeping busy. Uh, That's the way forward. What about yourself? Oh, yeah, it's been, yeah, it's been all right, actually. Um, I'm still working from home, so I, I've had to give like lectures from my also, yeah. Not too bad, but I try to get out there just for a bit of exercise and stuff. So yeah. Wishing for the best now. Yeah, it's important to kind of get out there, isn't it? Well, especially with the second lockdown now. Everybody, everybody. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But um a bit of positive news the about the vaccine yesterday. Yeah. Potential. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully we'll that's the best way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice, nice, nice. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, so, shall we get started? Oh, yeah, sure. sure. Awesome, awesome. So, I just want to say thank you for coming on and a big welcome yep. to History Talks. Um, yep. It's fantastic to have someone from your background on. Um, okay. Yeah, so one thing I'd like to kind of start with is obviously just introduce the listeners of who you are and what do you do. Okay, yeah, so um, I'm Ade, uh, well, officially Dr. Adiyayoshitayo. I'm a researcher in additive manufacturing based at Brunel University, London. Um, so I, I actually did my degree in mechanical engineering at the University of Liverpool. I noticed you yeah. went to Liverpool as well. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, so I did my undergraduate there, then went on to do a PhD at Lancaster University, still in. Uh, engineering and um, went back to Liverpool for a postdoctoral um, research role. So then before coming to Brunel. So currently I'm I'm working in additive manufacturing. So yeah, that's a bit of a, a, bit, a summary about my background. Fantastic. It's an awesome city is Liverpool, isn't it? I do miss it at times. Oh. <laughs> oh, have you left then? Are you in a different city now? Yeah, yeah. So I'm in a different city now. I've moved to Manchester for work now. So I'm not too far oh. away, but um, still another great yeah. city. But yeah, Liverpool is awesome. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I love Liverpool. So yeah, I I I still go back. So yeah, yeah, I go same. back up. Same. Um, so would you like to kind of highlight what kind of what attracted you to kind of go into the additive manufacturing world? And okay. Oh, so oh, if there, there's a uh, that's that's due to a number of reasons. First of all, like um, it's something I've always heard of as a developing technology, like. Now everyone is talking about AM, well, more commonly 3D printing. And this is something I've been interested in. And um, it's also more because I have a background in um, engineering, which was focused on materials and manufacturing processes. And I've always come across 3D printing as one of the ways you can use to make things. So it was more from a sustainability point of view. It was uh, beneficial. It had different advantages. And it just seemed like one of those core components for um, like industry 4.0. I don't know if you've heard about that. But, um, it's just about how to make things more interconnected and more automated. So yeah, uh, there's a lot of uh, advantages really in that field, so why not? Yeah, fantastic. We're gonna highlight, yeah. we're gonna discuss a little bit that further in, in a second. Uh, but, but everyone listening, you kind of touched on a little bit there, but the aspect it's 3D printing. Could you, yeah. Explain to us a little bit more about additive manufacturing and how it works in the best kind okay. of layman's terms. 
Okay, yeah. So uh, from a very basic view, so additive manufacturing, also commonly called 3D printing, is a manufacturing process that actually involves designing an object or a product, the pad software, which is then subsequently built by adding materials layer by layer. So in essentially a digital design into a physical product by adding the materials layer by layer. So that's the that's the layman definition of um, additive manufacturing or 3D printing. Yeah, it's and it's it's crazy after doing a bit of research into this. Like the potential for this technology is like limitless. It's like you see, <laughs> so from basically kind of using it was like uh, you can make simple toys in America. Some people there's been a bit of concern about people making guns with it, but in <laughs> China people have been making houses with it. it it's so crazy how this technology is rapidly accelerating and when it can where it can potentially go um one thing that's quite interesting as well is the the different types of 3d printing and how they work do you want to kind of highlight a little bit of that to us oh yeah so um actually according to like uh the um astm standards there are actually seven major types of additive manufacturing or seven major processes but um these are broken it down into different but i'll explain that so the seven i'll start with material extrusion that's like the most common method and sometimes called um fused the um, deposition modeling or uh, fused filament fabrication so essentially from it means when a material is selectively dispensed through a nozzle right so that's the most common one that's the one you would usually see for example in academic institutions and stuff so that's one process. Then there's one called a material jetting. So um, one thing, first of all, jetting essentially means like spraying. I, I have, so that's uh, it's essentially when droplets of build material are selectively deposited. So that's mm -hmm. another one. And there's one called binder jetting. So binder jetting essentially two major materials, which means you're using a powder-based material and a binder. So the liquid bonding agent is selectively deposited to join powder materials. Then there's something called um, directed energy deposition. So it's um, from two sources. So that's the energy and the material. So it's where thermal energy is used to fuse materials by melting them as they are being deposited. So that's another um, uh, process of AM. Then uh, more commonly, you also have powder bed fusion, right. still using thermal energy. So this thermal energy can include like laser, electron beam, where it actually fuses regions of a powder bed to make products. So more commonly, you might have heard of like uh, selective laser melting, SLM, or selective laser sintering. These are all subsets of powder bed fusion. Uh, there's also something called a VAT poly photopolymerization this this is quite uh, this was one of the um, early processes where it involves a liquid photopolymer in a vat essentially that's like in a, a vat being like up essentially is selectively cured by light activated polymerization so one of the benefits of this is like good surface finish and more commonly you might have heard of it as um, SLA or digital light processing where the difference is the light source and um, finally you, you also have something called sheet lamination so 
um, before I explain, this is more like if you think of like um, timber laminates, like a glue lump beam. And so it's essentially what sheets of material are bonded to form a path. But those are like the seven, according to the um, ASTM standard, those are like the seven major processes of right. AM, additive manufacturing. So in the aspect of, because what we're seeing now generally, for people that kind of know about 3D printing, the most common thing that they'll probably see right now is the, the people who have 3D printers in their house and they use it to okay. make things. What type of additive manufacturing is that then? So I think a lot of that is material extrusion. Yeah. So that is, yeah, a lot of that is mine. So, um, which is when a material is selectively dispensed through a nozzle. So you see the nozzle moving, yeah. think of it as the XY plane moving under, yeah, that's commonly my. Uh, right fair enough um so one thing that we'd obviously it's quite prevalent in multiple industries as well at the minute um and one of the things one of the industries i've seen from my research is where it's very prevalent is the medical is what sorry sorry the one of the industries where i see it's very prevalent right now is the medical industry mm -hmm. um and like so we're seeing it's one of the key things for um dentists and it's very key mm -hmm. for them to be able to formulate um, the aspects of, uh, not braces, but uh, dent the aspects of dentures and be able to yeah. formulate them a lot. Dentures, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And even and even, and even further beyond that, we're seeing it now. I saw some articles where 3D printers can be used to make hearts. Um, mm. So it's, it's, it's fascinating where we can see this technology go. Would you yeah. say yeah. this technology in this particular sector it's it's the early adoption phase. Is it the booming phase? Whereabouts would you say it is at the minute? Oh, oh, I think um, based on those examples you've already listed, so it's certainly um, it's been adopted. Um, it's not in the early stage. It's been actually used proactively. And I'll give you some examples. Like yeah. uh, you mentioned the three D printed that three D printed dentures that are used by dentists, and why this is being used is comes from that customization. So now you can actually make parts that are patient specific. So you have um, developing science that uses like, as a raw material, that uses cells, tissues, and biomaterials as a raw materials to make, like from, um, from an anatomical perspective, our parts are reasonably complex. So um, 3D printing can help make that a reality. So um, we, um, not only that, um, you also have things like 3D printed cast. That's because wow. if I was, if I got injured, like, uh, or we, um, different um, patients have different needs and 3D printing can actually get, um, you can make casts that are suitable for a particular person. So that's why it's been adopted proactively. And um, you have like the human um, heart models and other uh, parts of the humans. Um, apart from that, um, the, um, 3D printing being used in the medical industry. If you think of the, um, the current pandemic, mm -hmm. um, 3D printing became a major aspect of it. So you have 3D printing being used to make like test swabs for patients uh, if they've got coronavirus, you um, face masks and um, face shields. And essentially one of the benefits is still that customization. And secondly, you are able to help uh, decentralize manufacturing. So, for example, uh, 3D printing became useful because uh, 
in unexpected situations like this, there were um, hospitals that actually had like um, 3D printing hubs, which was co-located in hospitals where you can actually make uh, parts for patients. So this highlights the remote accessibility and adaptability of this process. So um, um, finally, just before you ask your next question, it's also used as a visualization and training aid. So um, for example, if I was to uh, make like a complex um, part of a human, like the heart, for example, I could 3D print in it, 3D print it, and then use it to explain things. So it's used as a visualization aid for you to understand things properly. So uh, it's been it's been adopted massively by this by this. And I, I, I it's still also is considered developing science in the case of we're even trying to make more complex parts of the human. So I even see a wider adoption in the future. Hmm. So will we see in the future then, or likely to see recent in the recent future, pretty much every hospital nearly in the world having a 3D printer or 3D printing hall? Yeah, I, I would not really, I would not really doubt. Like this is this is likely going to happen. And that's just because of the benefits where you can decentralize manufacturing and actually in case of unexpected situations, you can actually make things relatively quickly rather than waiting uh ordering things from halfway around the world to get there so yeah i i i think it's highly likely could this be also be a thing so which would be very beneficial for helping uh developing countries that are suffering with health issues so um mm. essentially should bridge that gap of obviously supply chains taking extended periods of time to get there due to the faulty logistics and maybe them developing countries infrastructure um so this could if we provide more uh, 3d printers to the maybe hospitals or other aspects of it this could actually help people's health in the developing countries as well and it seems like a more, more, more cost-effective solution as well oh yes i um, i think actually one of my colleagues and friends is actually working on a project like that where um developing countries where um, in west africa where they are trying to have like a 3d printing hall to mm. try and solve some of the local so this not even restricted to the medical sector to try and fabricate things on site to try and solve like local challenges so um you're absolutely right this is um, this is becoming widely adopted and um it will be beneficial towards a lot of developing countries mm. yeah. so and it sounds like 3d printing has done a lot for the covid pandemic has the covid yeah. pandemic done anything for 3D printing in the sense that has it made any recent breakthroughs or mini breakthroughs to help advance the technology any further? Um, oh, so um, like flipping the coin a bit. Yes. Um, so yes. I, <laughs> I think uh, one of the things is, I think uh, one of the, is the way where 3D printing has actually helped, I'm sorry, where the pandemic has actually helped is to try and make things, uh, make the process faster because while 3D printing is a great technology, there's still some, um, would I say, um, shortfalls where it's not as fast as it should be. And um, although you can make things for some things, depending on the complexity, um, some things can take minutes or hours to make. So um, but with this pandemic, um, there's more research going into making things faster and more reliable and even standardization so i think that's th those are one of the lessons learned from the pandemic to try and improve um am or 3d print 
Yeah, I think with with key technologies, we um, well worldwide the changing technologies. Once there's something, there's that pressure, that external pressure. You see mm-hmm. the technology rise rapidly throughout. Yeah. Uh, I think you have that with the space race because of the Cold War, and obviously the pandemic is a big factor, and which is likely to accelerate these types of technologies. Um, so it seems like it's an important technology that's going to be important, like crucial for the medical industry and will likely save a lot of lives in the future um, and sounds like it already is with COVID, uh, COVID-19. One thing you highlighted yeah. earlier at the start was obviously the reason why you kind of was attracted to this kind of this industry was the aspect of the sustainability. Now mm. how can how is 3D printing how can it help us become more sustainable? Okay, okay. So um, I think I'll start this by saying um, from as a, my personal background was actually related to sustainability where I was actually uh, finding ways to recycle the merit materials into more useful products. That was all my PhD was on. And um, so 3D printing in itself is a sustainable technique because you're actually using the right or you're trying to use the right um, mater- um, amount of material for a particular application. Hence, you're reducing the waste. Um, so to also make things or help the whole recycling process, you have things like, um, sorry, let me give you a bit of context. You have millions of plastic waste going into the ocean, into, into landfill. But now there are actually some projects that look at, for example, using uh, developing f- um, plastic filaments from waste plastics which can then subsequently be used to make new products. So put that in context. If I have like a waste plastic bottle, they are like shredders or machines that I can put those waste plastic bottles, I will turn them into um, a filament, plastic filaments, which are then raw materials using 3D printers to make new products. So in that case, um, currently you have like uh, things where um, when you dispose of, of plastic waste, it can go to landfill or even if it gets recycled, it's recycled somewhere else. But now with um, um, you, a combination of such machines and a 3D printer means you can actually use your waste plastic to make new products. So um, in that sense, it's also helping the whole recycling system and making things more sustainable. Yeah, and that's that's so important. And recycling has been has been a big factor since the dawn of this century, really. Um, but one of the key issues is that at the current moment is how inefficient the recycling process is. Um, obviously, I think it was before two thousand and ten. What a lot of the Western countries do, used to do was send all the plastic waste over to China, and then you'd have someone uh, there'd be areas which were really bad conditions, but they would go through each piece of plastic and try to find the the good bits, which could, which could be salvage. China cut that off around about the start of this decade, or last decade, should mm-hmm. I say. Um, so with it, it's been really needed because plastic has become a big, has become more highlighted in the past few years and the, the amount of waste that's gone into the oceans. And mm-hmm. I think what's a really important point is not only that's how we have an avenue where we can recycle process, uh, recycle more effectively, but also, like you mentioned earlier, is the fact that you can get the exact amounts of recycled plastic that you need, so there's less over waste, which that waste yeah, can yeah. be put more put together and then be used again. It's been one of the kind of key issues of manufacturing with plastics for, for, for decades, where you 
just need a certain thought, like you need a certain structure, and you need, but and then the rest of it you just throw away. So yeah, yeah, yeah. this is a key factor that we that we need now. Um, how would you say is what's the kind of needs to be done to improve them? What other areas of sustainability can we use three D printing for? So, sorry, so I, uh, it was breaking. Can you say sorry. that again? Uh, what other areas could we use? Um, can th- uh, additive manufacturing be used to improve sustainability apart from recycling? Uh, sorry, I think I might. Hello. Oh, sorry. Was well, sh- showing my connection is unstable, so I'm just trying to. No worries. Yeah. Okay. Can- oh, sorry. Can you can you hear me clearly? Yeah, yeah I can hear you clearly. Oh yeah, yeah, cool. Awesome. Sorry, can awesome. you repeat your question? Yeah, yeah no worries, no worries. Um, so obviously we've highlighted how recycling is another factor. How um, mm. additive manufacturing can improve sustainability. Is there other yeah. any other avenues where additive manufacturing can be used to improve sustainability? Yeah. So I think um, it's also um, cases where you know with three D printing you can make like complex and lightweight designs. So. For example, if you were to think of, uh, so one of the reasons why those somewhat complicated designs have, have not been made is just, it's a, it's a challenge, it's a difficult thing if you are to use um, traditional modes of tra- uh, manufacturing. So with 3D printing, it means like, we can be as creative as we can whilst making like lightweight designs, like design efficient materials where um, only 3D printed or 3D printed can make that reality. So in that case, using less materials to make such product you're not limited by the approach or the process to make it so in that case it's more it's a more sustainable product because you're using less material so 3d printing can make that a reality because of that customization and lightweight um effect fair enough um and obviously one other area which we're doing research which i found that had a one industry that's been heavily impacted through uh, by additive manufacturing is the automotive industry. Um, they're yeah. key investors of the, uh, this type of technology. Um, could you kind of give us a brief introduction of how 3D printing is impacting the automobile industry? Oh, yeah. So um, a, a brief introduction into how um, 3D printing is being used in automotive industry. So, for example, um, I'll quickly highlight that highly um, customization and complexity. So yeah, from the very nature of like um, asset or those sectors, um, they make um, like highly complex designs. However, uh, uh, 3D printing can help make that reality because you're not, uh, you're not stopped from doing that. And secondly, there's something called rapid uh, prototyping validation. So if you are to make a quick, uh, like say, a, quick, a new design that is reasonably complex, the process of going from that initial design to a high little uh, full-scale part is faster, which means you're able to actually make that faster and actually carry out some performance validation and testing on time. That's one of the reasons why um, 3D printing is being adopted in those sectors. And uh, from a, will I say, from, a uh, from an efficient design perspective, you're making more lighter components. And I must say, if you're, from um, in those sectors, even if it's a let's say a one kg reduction in material, it just wow. means that it's more fuel efficient and um, it's cheaper to run. So overall, becoming more sustainable. Sustainable. So um, those are some of the reasons why uh, those sectors have actually adopted the use of additive manufacturing. Fair enough. Um, 
Yeah, no, that, that's very interesting. The aspect of the, the, the lightweight materials that it can um, help reduce. Um, one of the aspects of, um, obviously, as you kind of move a bit more to electric vehicles, obviously they require smaller, sorry, a reduced number of parts compared to the traditional um, traditional vehicles. So that could go hand in hand with that, as aspect of less, less types of um, components are needed and they can go in with 3D printing that can make them quicker and lighter and closer to the salt, to the manufacturing bit. The future looks very good for that, the automobile industry. Oh, oh yeah. In, in yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. And one, th one thing is probably, while it's looking more terms of efficiency-wise uh, in the automobile industry, one thing negative-wise is obviously it not just with 3D printing. Obviously, AI is a big player into this and other forms of automation, but the job losses in that sector, amongst many other, other sectors, are quite concerning. Um, and then the aspect of 3D printing, its effect on that, um, it seems like potentially can, can it contribute to that as a, less jobs could be needed because essentially couldn't 3D printers replace the likes of molders, welders and casters? Hmm. Oh, so that's, uh, I think that's uh, an ongoing debate and uh, as the, even from a general concept as to how um, technology and automation would, would they actually, I am, a lot of um, researchers tend to think of 3D printing is not going to replace the uh, different modes of, or current model, it's only going to complement or supplement it. Right. So um, there's there still um, um, there's still progress to be made in the field of three D printing, and obviously it has its benefits. So, mm -hmm. um, in addition, other types of manufacturing processes also have those benefits. But so um, how we see it is not it's not a case of it will replace. It's a case of it will complement. And in terms of job um, job. Um, uh jobs affected actually it turns out that uh, a lot of uh, there are more researchers going into the field of 3d printing and it means some um, companies are actually um, looking for people with this skill set come and work with them so um one of the things is it's all it's changing the um, job landscape so the type of uh jobs required in the 3d printing sector is different and now um, one of the aims of my project was actually evaluate the type of job profiles mm. associated with 3d printing so the current and future job profile wow yeah. oh, that's that's crazy so in it's obviously it's the factor that is a bit more of a, um, a complementing factor rather than a replacement factor is a good it's a good sign for that look at increased efficiency and then we obviously keep sometimes of jobs that's not completely automated. It looks like it's got a big future. Um, obviously, do you, what areas do you see else improving in in the automobile industry? How else can it improve the automobile industry? Do you think? Okay, so um, how else can it improve? I think um, I think if um, hopefully when three uh, D printing is more standardized mm. and more and faster. I, I see it being used from rather than just prototyping stage to more, um, will I say, mass production. So mm -hmm. I think if you can get um, 3D printing to be as fast as the and more standardized, I think um, will be even widely adopted and overall improved. That's mm -hmm. so yeah, that's all I see. Yeah, no worries. Um, and obviously, one of the other key players in a different industry in, that are using 3D printing are Boeing and Airbus. In the, yeah, yeah. in the in the aerospace industry, um, how 
is 3D printing being used to improve the aerospace industry? Mm. So um, I think for, for every sector that 3D printing is, is being applied to, you always have to go back and think about uh, these four main sectors, which is complexity, customization, less waste, and sustainability. So um, within the aerospace sector, it means now you can make even more complex designs. So if you have, for example, you have an idea, you can actually go from a, let's say a small, um, a small detail and go from that, from a full scale part, which can actually be quickly tested and, and validated and tested. So these are um, ways where if you have a new design to help improve the system with 3D printing, you can actually make that reality faster and even potentially more lightweight and more um, effective and efficient. So that's one of the reasons why these industries are actually adopting this um, technology. Yeah, no, that sounds cool. It seems obviously it's impacting such a wide range of industries and it's going to be a pivotal, it's going to be a pivotal technology across the next century. Um, obviously, one thing that we highlighted towards earlier was one of the benefits of 3D printing was how it can essentially make products and uh, closer to the manufacturing, essentially the manufacturing base. Now, as we found out through COVID-19 this year, and through see past few decades of increased globalization, the global supply chain is so interconnected and so dependable. And mm. if something goes just like that, mm. the curveball effects that happens afterwards can absolutely be absolutely devastating. Now, and with that, so yeah. with this in this technology coming in, more more people adopting it, um, especially with kind of automobile industries which source their parts from all over the globe. As it's the most cost efficient mm -hmm. and economies of scale wise, are we going to see less dependency on international on international trade and the international supply chain as a result of this technology? Oh, I think the um, the simple answer is yes, and we can already see that happening. Um, mm -hmm. I'll just go a bit deeper into the example of the COVID nineteen. Um, one of my colleagues uh, actually has a three D printer, and she was actually able to help a local hospital to make um, PPEs as like test, um, face masks and uh, face shields. So in that case, this actually eliminated different, uh, um, would I say the middleman, where you actually had to uh, go to the shop to get it. No, all she did was she had a 3D printer and she was able to go the design. Um, so currently there are like different open source websites where you can download designs for different parts. And once you download that, you can link that to your 3D printer and make products. So um, that's already happening. That's decentralizing manufacturing. And we could also see that with like um, Brunel University where I work actually has a lot of 3D printers and they were able to actually support local hospitals. So there was like a 3D printing hub where they was able to actually make parts for the hospital. So um, I think to answer that fundamental question is, Yes, we're seeing that, and I, I think that's only going to improve. Yeah, it seems like if, if it's only going to improve, it's going to seem, I don't know if the right time is the, is the word type of phrase, but obviously with the likes of there's so much dependency from from people from countries like the US and China, who's a fairly mm. he heavily exporter, and the trade yeah. wars are going in between them. This could be an avenue which major, major superpowers invest even further in the in, mm. in this type of technology because 
it reduces their dependency on these other types of countries. And so they can bring oh, yeah. manufacturing yeah. more more manufacturing jobs home. And I yeah. think even further with that, with this right the current rise with kind of global protectionism, um, it seems like this could be a solution for a lot of countries that are kind of taking that avenue. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. And um, one thing I also like to say in terms of the context of different um, sectors or even countries uh, taking up three different things, there's been a significant rise in the sector. So in the AM sector, current in 2020, I think when I checked, it was about a $10 billion sector now, which has shown continuous rise over the years. And there are predictions where it will, I think by, oh, I'm not going to quote that now, but by, I think 2025, it's going to be in the is it $50 billion sector. So right. um, this sector is, and that goes to show how different sectors are actually adopting this. And uh, for example, it's uh, decentralizing manufacturing where cases where you and I can actually make products. So um, case, in point, um, case in point, rather, if I needed a new uh, phone case, my mm -hmm. phone now, some that I, or even customized, I just need to go online. I can Google um, a uh, to find out the the card drawing for this phone case. Or I can design it myself, or I can download that and make it right here. There, so I do not need to go into like or order it from different countries, maybe China or the US. I don't need. I can make it. So um, yeah, I think the, the widespread adoption is it will is steadily increasing. Yeah. Hmm. So in the kind of elements of um obviously you would be able to go down and download the CAD software, um, which obviously mm. you can have in your own print, uh, 3D printer at home to build that. Um, what's, what, how, obviously, will that work in the aspect of, let's say, for example, we all need phone cases. So mm -hmm. um, in the aspect, so you buy from a supplier the patent or the software of that, um, of obviously the design of that phone case. And essentially, you just buy them. Would it be in a case of you buy that one-off or would we see more companies look at a more subscription-based service with the kind of products that they sell the software oh. to? Yeah, so I think that's that's a, that's a, a big question in the field now. And uh, yeah, even there there's research or studies going into like things like um, protection of IP rights or designs. Yeah. But, uh, but um the the verdict on that is is not finalized yet rather but one thing i'll also say is that whilst some um designers might protect uh like their yeah, designs and stuff similarly they are open source websites mm. so many open source websites where first of all you can go on there and download if you want it's open alternatively you can actually if you've got a nice design, you can also upload as a, I guess, as a way of giving back. You can also make complex designs and upload it for open source use. So um, one of the um, th one of the examples was even like a face shield, a quite which was actually made available during the COVID um, during um, earlier this year, where people could just go there and download it. It was readily available for, and last it had thousands of downloads. So. Um, Regarding protecting designs or having subscription-based services, I think um, that's a possibility. But um, I don't think uh, it's not, like I say, it's not finalized just yet. But currently, uh, I think, yeah, there are platforms where you can get it for free. Fair enough. Um, so 
who what would you see in the future now obviously how this is kind of rapidly accelerating mm. do you see a world where we all have 3d printers at home and in our garage oh. <laughs> i think I'm, I'm 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 close to getting mine soon actually so um i think yes um a few of my colleagues have theirs at home and uh I'm I'm clear, I'm just I, I'm just need I need to clear out the space for it. But and the reason for that is that uh, the machines are actually getting cheaper. Think back at ten to thirteen years ago. I think in two thousand and seven there was a big hype when it became about five thousand dollars. Now you can actually get machines with just a few hundred, like as low as almost hundred pounds. So it's becoming cheaper and cheaper, if not even um, cheaper than some conventional printers. So um that makes it easier for people like you and I to actually have this and make fancy designs at home. And I was also very close to getting it, especially when the cases were very high. Well, the cases are still high actually. Well, um, when they needed hospitals, needed help, um, and my colleague was doing that, I was close to getting it, but um, I, I just couldn't ball. Um, to answer your direct question, yes, we're, we're getting closer where people, you'll see 3D printers in, in homes and garages. And uh, I think I'm the next person to get one. Yeah. <laughs> they do seem quite exciting to have the, the aspects of how much you can make. And yeah, yeah. how does it work with sustaining the obtaining the raw materials that you need, obviously, to put into the 3D printers? Obviously, imagine that you need to order these online, or you need to go out and buy these essential raw materials that you put in, which the 3D yeah, printers yeah. to manufacture. Yeah, so um, a lot, of, a lot of this, like the most common one being um, extrusion. So which, which means that a lot of the raw materials are in form of filaments, like plastic filaments, yeah. and these are readily available. Like the same way you order different materials on Amazon, for example, you can easily go ahead and just order three D, um, three D printing filaments or from the manufacturer's website. So it's readily available. So yeah, yeah I, um, and that's why. Um, people are adopting it so yeah yeah no that's, that's, that's quite interesting and it's because there's so much it can be used for obviously mm. kind of the ha- examples that we've kind of touched upon there have been kind of small scale products is there a, mm. a, you see a world where in the future where when we all have these 3d printers at home that we can essentially make parts for bigger products so if it can be essentially maybe use if there's metal or an aspect of that to help build up parts and then we can make a bed at home you see a world where we do that oh yeah why not like i think a lot of the answers a lot of the answers to the question about 3d printing is why not uh, but bear in mind that you're often limited depending on the capability of the 3d printer you're often limited to the size at which you can produce but so um a, a way to go around that is to make a uh, uh, i say modular doing like a modular system where you make different bits and parts and they can be assembled together so um so that's the limitation with or um if you if you've got a 3d printer with a wide with a bigger platform um you can actually make uh, uh materials that have a greater size so i think the only limitation there is the is the is the build platform yeah no fair enough um like what we've talked about we've gone through so much in, in around about 40 minutes one thing and we've t- mm. discussed these ridiculous kind of uh, things that 3d printing can do and just essentially revolution actually revolutionizing technology 
what could this be have a big has have as a big impact on humanity as the internet did do you think uh, <laughs> i think that's a good question oh uh yeah yeah like it could indeed it could yeah. and uh, you have like the internet uh a lot of it i think the internet i think the internet has done more good than harm but you can't always really doubt that it could be used for things that are not right yes. and um that's the that's the part where potentially you mentioned people making stones from three different so that's in principle is a possibility and you can write different parts of it so um at the end of the day we always have to have that ethical mindset to ensure that this is like even though yes we can do this we need to make sure we're doing it the right way because yeah so that's um yeah it could uh that's a mindset i would recommend we all should have um, having that ethical consideration behind developing a new product yeah i think yeah, that's a very good point to kind of highlight as well i think with any kind of revolution technology revolutionizing technology is going to come with the good and the bad uh, if we talk about yeah. the aspects of obviously uh, aerospace travel um, obviously that accelerated mm. us to be able to go from different around, around the world quicker um obviously mm. creates certain types of weapons which obviously are not great same thing with the internet the internet is allowing me and you to be able to speak now uh yeah. <laughs> this year <laughs> on rate like 100 yeah. miles away um, and this created so many jobs and been able for people to connect ridiculously and then obviously it's had, had other impacts as well which are negative so with any kind of revolutionizing mm. technology there's always going to be the good and the bad that comes with it and I yeah, guess yeah. when people who are close to the industry like you to hear that the ethical concerns of this technology are quite of a high ranking is comforting to hear because I think with the creation of the te- uh, the internet I think a lot of people it obviously it was this new type of technology and everyone was kind of getting new to it and no one knew the genie in, about the genie in the box obviously when you get the genie out mm-hmm. the box it's hard to put it back mm-hmm. in um, mm-hmm. so this time around it's it's more comforting to hear that the people that are focusing on this uh, this type of this technology are do have these concerns in mind and that we've learned a little yeah. bit from our previous history yeah 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 i i i couldn't agree more and that's right i think uh even um there are some institutions where within the research field where um you always you always have to carry out like uh what's it called uh it's like i've forgotten the name but it's essentially an ethical you have to submit an ethical approval uh, yeah, after ethical approval before going ahead certain projects and that's just like you said with anything um it could be useful good and bad and hopefully we all hope that it can be it can be useful good and to help make lives better to to make things more efficient make designs um, more sustainable so that's the that's the uh concepts we have in mind yeah um who would you say the the key players at the minute in this kind of overall t- that are developing this code i know we talked about a few people in specific industries earlier on but who in general who would you say are the key developers of this technology right now oh sorry do you mean the sectors uh no 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 as as in a ge- general as a whole because we've talked about a lot of universities using them um are there specific Okay. private enterprises that are developing the techno- this technology and it's their kind of form of enterprise because you mentioned earlier that in 2025 this is scheduled to be a 50 50 billion dollar industry 
now obviously there's going to be a lot of people mm. or firms wanting a piece of that pie. Uh, who would you, do you have any yeah. idea who the big firms are that are advancing this technology? technology um, uh, so I think uh, regarding naming specific firms, I think, uh, uh, well, you've got the likes of like strategies or materialize utilizing or uh, developing and utilizing this uh, this field but i think what's more would i say a better answer to that question is like for example different unique sectors using this so you have things like the fashion industry the food industry so you have like three printed pastries now and this stems from the old uh, where customized pastries with complex designs utilizing this and you've even got in using the construction sector Although that needs to still develop and needs to be finalized, like a case in point was in China, for example, you had like 3D printed quarantine boots or patients. And this was done from that technology. So that goes to show how um, this, uh, this uh, technology can actually be applied in an array of different sectors. And uh, for the future, I'll say, um, whilst you have the medical, the automotive, the aerospace, construction, food, textile, fashion, um, I think more sectors can still apply. But um, and but I'm not sure, it's hard to say which one will have the bigger slice of the pie, so mm. to speak. But but um, I think uh, a lot, a lot of firms and industry are on the take, regardless of what they're making. Yeah, fair enough. So one obviously one of the things that's I'd like to ask you as well, because you're so close to the industry, what are the key barriers that are preventing the advancement of this technology right now? Oh, I think that's, that's a very good question, actually. And um, there are different things that are affecting the realistic, um, widespread uptake. Um, there's the, first of all, it's cost. Mm. Uh, it's cost. And um, there's the speed. So, so um, relatively speaking, um, to make um, different materials, it might be more, um, if you were to make a lot of them, it might be more efficient to use like things like injection molding or extrusion to make them. So uh, in, if 3D printers are made to make products reasonably faster, uh, I think that would lead to greater widespread. And there's something, um, there's also uh, cost as to which uh, the, the cost of equipment actually reducing over time. So if it further reduces, I think that will also um, lead to its widespread uptake. And there is um, standardization. So um, different parts can be made with different materials. So you need to ensure, actually, um, AI is also being used in collaboration with 3D printing where sometimes you can actually scan defects or something in products and you're able to estimate how good the product is, essentially. So uh, you need to ensure that each product made is the same and doesn't have like um, feature uh, bad features in them. So, in so in case of um, standardization, I think uh, if we had to find a way to standardize the process, that would actually help um, it, it create that uptake. So, um, yeah, I think I think those are like the three three main points I have in mind for that. Yeah. Um, and one, when I did a bit of research, one of the things that I was um, I found was the one of the job uh, one of the barriers is the different um, aspects of CAD software that are used, and which essentially sets back engineers because that instead of just having one plain forward uh, type of software, 
they have mm. they have to know different types now if these types of software could be integrated and they all they could just create one to move forward surely that would surely that would essentially accelerate the progression oh yeah so that, that is uh that, that that's a valid point how uh, however i admit um, there are things where uh, you can have a specific or universal wide uh, format. For example, like regard there are some things regardless of the software you use, a lot of softwares you can actually convert to things like the STL file, which different 3D printers understand and you're able to make products from there. So having that there, there will still be different software that can make designs, but having being able to convert it into a, a standardized format. There are different standardized formats for 3D printing. But uh, STL file is quite a popular format to use where um, depending, regardless of the software you use, you can actually get a, a consistent format which the machine understands. And also I've actually just remembered one other barrier which I forgot was the lack of, of skilled professionals in 3D printing. So um, um, although the, the, um, the technology is developing at a very fast pace, um, we don't currently have enough skilled professionals to do the to to work in the 3d printing sector so that's actually a challenge so one of the objectives of my project is to try and understand what the skills are and how to actually train people to be developed or to have such skills to be able to work in the additive manufacturing sector what type of the skills then uh, people will people need to enter this market? Because if anyone's listening and is interested in the subject and you could and maybe looking to take this as their potential future career path, like yourself, what type of skills do they need to have um, in order to yeah, yeah. So, be um, successful in this industry? Yeah, so um, it's so it's a a, a combination. Realize it's a multidisciplinary skill set. So yeah. um, what you have now is um, a lot of um, people that work in the MC to have a unique skill, maybe like maybe in just the machines or in the materials. So, but what would really set you apart is to have an understanding of different factors of um, additive manufacturing. And for example, being able to identify the best process or the best AM process to design, um, to make a product. So you have things like the additive AM design and modeling software. So this involves like card design, being able to use card designs or optimization you have different materials being used in am so you need to be able to understand these different which includes like properties like metals plastics um am processes i mentioned like seven different processes of am all of them have their different advantages and disadvantages and being able to use the for example the equipment and software am inspection and standards and um, post processing options like after it's done how do you make it nicer or for example, the life cycle analysis. So it's more an understanding of this uh, broad set of different skills that will make you stand out and unique yeah. to employers. Yeah. So that that's that's obviously it seems like there's a lot to cover there. And obviously, it's a very difficult industry to essentially yeah. learn learn everything from. Um, mm. Obviously, you just mentioned earlier was the aspect of like there's not enough skilled people. So regards to the 3D printing job market, I imagine. Mm. The opportunities are there there's just not the supply of people going through absolutely absolutely and and uh, this also relates to one of the things my project is trying to solve for example um there's 
there is now a development of new job profiles in the AM sector. So to have like um, job titles, things like AM designer, AM materials engineer, AM process engineer, AM inspector, AM operator, these sort of roles and uh, did not ex um, did not exist previously. So now you're 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 getting um, employers refining the skill set they want, and this is changing the whole job landscape in the additive manufacturing sector. Yeah. Do we see? I guess obviously a big gap of that as well, obviously because the technology is still so very new. Is obviously the lack of obviously how the aspects of additive manufacturing in the educational system. So that could go down to obviously it needing to be taught more at, GC, uh, well, at high school level. And then mm. I imagine, I don't know if they already have this, but surely in maybe the near future for the supply, sorry, the demand for this, these type of skills and jobs are needed, universities create specific added additive manufacturing courses. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, so actually the types, I, I, I don't know if I mentioned it earlier, title of my project is actually called Sector Skills Strategy in Additive Manufacturing. And one of the major deliverables of that is to make an international qualification system for AM. Right. Essentially, if you needed to gain these skills, you're able to go into different um, institutions that, uh, that cover this qualification and learn and develop those skills because currently there's a lack of it. So, what you see commonly, maybe there might be modules or even subsets of modules where which covers AM. But AM in itself, it's a very broad, um, it's a very broad field, and that's one of the things. That, so at the end of this project, we would have like an international qualification system in additive manufacturing, whereby if people needed to um, have uh, qualifications in that field, they could go ahead and do that. That's, that's fantastic. Obviously, it helps bring it all into one rather than kind of going through yeah. the, uh, the experience that you had through learning different avenues and then it, essentially being more uh, kind of a narrowed way to kind of to get to the end result. Um, yeah. For anyone who obviously may be listening, maybe this might be the way they want to go and take their career. How would you recommend mm -hmm. they start that path? Oh, so if you're, if you're looking to go into AM, so yeah. firstly, there's a, there's a, um, I guess um, I'm obliged. First, check out uh, my project um, website, which is some project. I think it's called um, Skills for EU. Yeah, uh, I will need to double check that. So you can check that. Out. So, but regardless of that, there's a plethora of different um, sub courses online where you can just um, go ahead and check. Uh, for example, start from the basics. What is AM? What are the different processes? What why its benefits? I myself have carried out. Um, I've organized different webinars and um, giving out lectures on AM. So, um, and there are many more. You can actually join webinars based on the current um, situation. There, there are more and more free webinars you can attend. So if you have some, there, there will be some that, that will give you that overview and pathway to get into the field. But yeah, I, I, strongly, I strongly recommend it. And I would say, yeah, start by the basics, by going through these online courses or even YouTube videos. Yeah. Fair enough. I'm happy to share the link with this video if you want to send over your project. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so, you can get it out there for anyone that might obviously want to look a bit yeah. further after hearing this. Um, yeah. So it's skills for AMEU, sorry. Yes. Yeah. Skills for AM.EU. I've just, yeah, we'll check. Awesome. Sorry.
Fantastic. Uh, one thing I did, obviously, it was one of the examples that um, I had written down, but I didn't actually, I forgot to mention earlier. It goes, kind of refers back into the aspect of the sustainability of um, additive manufacturing. So we talked about um, the aspect of it using, improving the inefficient recycling system, obviously helping make lightweight products. One interesting story that I found, and it just be able to kind of check your opinion on the validity of this, is that there's um, uh, a, a, a Cambridge student um, that set up a project that to essentially make coral reefs out of through mm-hmm. 3D printing, which seems like a fantastic, which, and this is these type of 3D, uh, these, this type of coral reef that's made through 3D printing is being able to be made and made compatible with the type of algae that obviously that is needed for coral reefs. So would you say, say that as, that's, it could venture into that kind of world or do you think that's still quite yeah. very unlikely or very far ahead? Um, so um, to, be, to be completely honest, I've actually heard of that, I've not come across it and I think I will check it out, out um, after this. But in principle, where you have AM being used to make from like living tissues and cells and biomaterials to make, will I say, um, very complicated parts of, of, of human, um, complicated human parts, rather. Um, I think uh, I, I, I would not say no to that. I would say it, it, it may be possible, although I would need to look yeah. further into that. But yeah, um, one of the, will I say, the selling points or the key factors of 3D printing is that complexity and customization. And you can use it to even make complex human parts. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll need to have a second look at coral reefs, and uh, yeah, fantastic. So I'll, I'll I'll reserve my opinion on that. For now. Fair enough. Uh, and then I've just got one last question. Um, I ask this to everyone, and it's kind of a nice way to to end the show. And um, if you could give one bit of advice to anyone about anything, what would it be? It could be completely focused in additive manufacturing. It could be general life advice. What would it be? Oh, that's good. That's a good question. Oh, I would say. Uh, don't stop learning. I think one of my favorite quotes is, the more you know, the more you know you don't know. So, yeah, yeah the more you know, you know, uh, the more you realize, oh, there's so much more to know. So don't stop learning. There's always, there are always new things to learn. So, fine. That would be my advice. Fantastic bit of advice. It's something that I also agree with fully. Um, yeah. yeah, never stop learning. It's one of the best things. Um, yeah. Right. Fantastic. Thank you, Eddie, for coming on and discussing this very interesting topic. Um, It's been a pleasure to have you on. Um, Thank you very much. All right, no problem. Um, Thank you, Harris, for having me on and we'll speak again soon. Thank you. Fantastic, always. Thank you. Thanks for listening, guys. If you enjoyed it, give it a like or a five-star rating, depending on what platform you're using. If you want to find out more content from HP Talks, subscribe to the channel. Um, from here you'll be able to see all the content I released for season one um, if you want to support the channel even further head over to my Patreon at HP Talks uh, I'll put a link for that down below um, cheers guys